0: Welcome to the Future of Application Security, a podcast for ambitious leaders who want to build a modern and effective AppSec program. Doing application security right is really hard. Now I'm going to help you build a better future of AppSec at your company by curating the lessons from the leaders. I'm your host, Harshal Parikh, CEO of Tromso, and without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the future of application security. Today, I have with me Majid Nagshiri. Majid is a several-time leader of product security teams at many different, very exciting companies. I will let him introduce himself, but today he joins us to talk about a very exciting topic, automotive security, and broader topics around product security as well. Majid, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Harshil. I really appreciate being here. I'm very excited to talk about this topic. So as an introduction, I have about 25 years of experience in the industry, ranging from hardware companies such as Motorola, Samsung, MediaTek, to platform companies like Uber and, and you know, ToSynco and other companies, kind of mm-hmm. very heavily software focused. I have, as you mentioned, led security architecture, security delivery, managed product security teams multiple times. I'm also, you know, I'm doing some consulting on the side on security architecture, which has, you know, things related to the design of application security, cloud security, and automotive. This is an area that you don't see that many tools and, you know, sort of um, outside help. So this is something that. It's pretty interesting. I also heavily involved with the, with a the company called Lock Harbor, which is an automotive cybersecurity company. The founders were college students right before the the Jeep hack. And if you guys know Charlie Miller and his buddy, they did a hack on Jeep in two thousand sixteen, which went very viral. And Jeep Chrysler ended up spending over a billion dollar trying to mitigate all the risks that came up. And Lock Harbor has been in those of the people who were part of that effort. And so they are doing a lot of different things in automotive security that we can talk about
0: as part of this podcast. So very happy to be here. Thank you for giving the opportunity. That's awesome. Those all sound very exciting topics that we haven't talked about in this podcast series. And I gotta I gotta confess, I'm very much of a noob in automotive security. Like I haven't really spent much time digging deeper into it or trying to understand it, other than reading some of these reports like the G And you know, every once in a while at DEF CON we would see some new exploit getting published and somebody doing a POC on it. But I can imagine, like if you were at a company trying to help that automotive company with security-related controls. It could be really complex. I can't even imagine what are all the things that you would have to do. Do you mind giving an overview of what makes automotive security if you are a security professional within an automotive company and your job is to build better security for that? Why is it so different? Like, What's complicated about that?
1: So I can maybe start with my experience at Too Simple, which is an autonomous vehicle company. And so when I joined, the name of the team was In Vehicle Security. And so basically the focus was what's inside the vehicle. And my first reaction was: okay, this is an autonomous company. So it's not just about the vehicle. It's about the connectivity, it's about the back end. It's about, you know, remote control of these vehicles. You're actually seeing startups popping up just managing the fleet of vehicles for other companies were building autonomous platforms. So it's like these people who have a customer support team that managing individual vehicles that get stuck. We all heard stories about, you know, the robot in, in uh, San Francisco, you know, getting stuck here and there. But so going back to the automotive in particular, so there are many challenges that um, uh, cybersecurity teams or people who are in charge of cybersecurity for automotive are facing. So first of all, we need to remember that automotive, I mean, you have a product that is out there on the road, is widely available. So now we're talking about, there's a new phrase around this that's called cyber physical systems. So these are actually cyber physical systems. People have physical access to these devices or basically vehicles. And on top of that, security issues, cybersecurity issues can directly translate into physical safety, which is a very serious thing. So basically, the automotive industry has decades of experience for safety. I mean, ranging from safety belts all the way to building, you know, now you're talking about even chip vendors building functional safety island within the chip which is this job is to figure out, you know, if you have multiple cores, if one core fails, what that happens to the other core. So everything is about redundancy and availability and safety. and They spend a lot of effort on safety cases, but security is very new. It's actually, believe it or not, the ISO 21434, which is security standard, just got published in 2021. So imagine You just have a standard that's just two years old. The United Nations also separately has created some regulation that they call type approval. So, from 2022, which is last year, any new car that is sold in the regions have signed that regulation, which is Europe and Japan and many other countries. US is not part of it. You have to have approval for for the vehicle which basically means you have to do all the cybersecurity things that they're asking right yeah. so but now you look at these standards they're not really telling you how to do things they're just telling you what you need like you need a lot of documentation you did a threat analysis you need to show that you need you did a component analysis you need to show that you have a requirement you need to show where it's coming from so they're big on requirement traceability which is like Show me the threat analysis that showed the threat scenario, the attack path, and what is this requirement going to do. But they don't tell you anything about how to do stuff. Like they don't tell you how to design things. They don't tell you how to remediate stuff. They don't tell you how to build a software security, SDLC, you know, they don't tell you, oh, you need to do open source scanning. None of that stuff. It's just what you need to do. So that's the first level of complication. You have these automotive companies, you know, and when I say automotive company, there's another complication that you need to think about, is that there are multiple tiers in the automotive industry. First, you have what they call the OEM, which is the guys who make the cars. Then you have tier ones, which are infotainment system, power steering module, power inverters, whatever goes into the car. These are tier ones. And then you have tier twos, which are people who give tier ones things, like say maybe even Nvidia or or Infineon chip makers or component makers. So now you're thinking about multiple layers, and you, for instance, Ford CEO had an interview where he said they they're not set to basically build everything vertically. They have hundreds of suppliers. There are hundred millions of lines of code inside the vehicle coming from all kinds of sources. So how do you reconcile all these needs for the documentation? Are this sharing of threats, vulnerabilities, requirements, vulnerability disclosures? So you have these layers of product embedded in your product. And so you have to Collect all these artifacts, which by itself is kind of a nightmare. Like you have any type of compute unit in the device, in the vehicle, you have to have separate documentation for that. So you have all these artifacts in terms of requirement, design, threat and threat analysis, and all that. And you have to be able to share them, you have to be able to analyze them, repeat them for different components. So you're seeing. Things popping up that are very interesting, like methods to share information. How yeah. yeah, do you share a, a specific threat? People talking about, you know, standard that form the thread in terms of an XML document, and you have a platform where database of all these
0: XML documents that keeps all these artifacts, right? So what basically I'm hearing is there's a lot of different moving pieces literally and yeah. also figuratively in this entire ecosystem. Yeah, And there is regulation coming from the top down that holds the supplier, the manufacturer, the automotive company accountable for ensuring good security practices across that entire supply chain. Yeah. So does this make a security function or you know a security compliance function within a normal company heavily or heavier towards GRC as compared to just doing more technical cybersecurity things? Is that is that what happens in in reality now that with more regulations coming in?
1: Yeah, I think you picked on a very good point. So the standards are very heavy on on GRC, and there are like companies oh, I don't want to mention names, but these are very high tech companies that are overwhelmed with the amount of information that is being produced, but it's more about the GRCs. And then they're looking at it and saying, and this is, by the way, the issue that I I had with one of these threat models that we did is like, from an architect perspective, it's like, okay, so I have all these artifacts, but how am I going to fix these things? Which is coming back to the point that I was making that There's a challenge of product security in general, not just automotive, is that you can buy tools to do scan open source. You can buy a tool to look at your AWS, you can buy a lot of things, but you cannot buy a tool that does an architecture analysis. It's like, is this component supposed to be connected to that component? Are you supposed to have a USB connected to your compute engine that is driving the car in the self-driving car, right? Those type of things, you still need people who have a long experience in product security, in hardware, in software, in cloud, in all of those aspects. They understand all aspects of the product and how to secure it, and they have the eye to look for it. So are these artifacts useful or not? It's not the immediately effective, but it's like any other sort of audit mechanism. Everybody knows that you bring an auditor, you get a certification, SOC 2 or 27,000X, or it doesn't mean you're secure. Like, hackers don't care about whether you have a certification or not. They just find a way. So that's kind of the other thing that comes into the play that I wanted to talk about, and that is... Sort of how do you do threat detection? Like mm-hmm. can you do pen testing? Can you have run a SOC? Can you detect things? Yeah. And that's another one of challenges with automotive, because if you think about it in you know, a like normal IT environment, corporate environment, you're talking about endpoints that are laptops or or servers, or you know, in a more modern system, it's a Kubernetes cluster, there are workloads and things like that. So they're all part of your infrastructure one way or the other. But now we're talking about these vehicles who are on the road, right? How do you collect data from a vehicle and push it into the scene, right? Is this vehicle even able to send logs? And so you have to think about these systems. How do you provide connectivity, where you collect log, what you collect log on? And that's where the concept of VSOC is coming in. So we have companies who are working on VSOC, which is basically looking at various things that is happening on the vehicle, Like So uh,
0: V here stands for vehicle, not virtual.
1: Vehicle, yes, vehicle sock. That's and, awesome. Uh, so that's one concept that I wanted to throw out there. The other one is simply remote pen testing, And that is well, basically how do you connect to a vehicle and do remote pen testing? And suppose, you know, it's like not every company, you know, there's not every company has those type of hackers available. You know, again, this is one of the reasons I'm making plugs for Lock Harbor, because bunch of they have a bunch of hackers there. These are the guys who know how to connect to a canvas and start seeing if you can flood a canvas. So if you kind of know about the vehicle architectures, you know, inside the vehicle, you have miles and miles of networking cables, right? After the Jeep hack, people realize that you don't put everything on one network. So they have like the vehicle architecture moving towards what they call zonal architecture. So they create like different domains within the vehicle. Maybe one domain is just for the body and mirrors and doors and bumpers and things like that. And there are other components for brakes uh, networks for brakes and steering and mission critical stuff so they are all connected through can bus which is designed for safety these are buses where you know everything talks to everything there's not a lot of usually security on the can bus so there are ways you can flood the bus so that nothing works so it's not like you go talk to your mechanic Next time I was having a very fun chat yesterday with my mechanic, which had, I don't want to shame the, but he was talking about the Land Rover where he was behaving really weird. Like all of a sudden, everything would start alarming from doors to tires, to lights, to everything. He's like, that's a perfect signal for something happening on the canvas where every single electronic control unit is giving alerts, right? So remote pen testing is something that is needed. These companies may not have the right pen testers and hackers. So how do you allow pen testers to reach your car? This is a car that you probably don't want to show anyone because it has this brand new design. It's going for next year's auto show or CES or something. You don't want to move it out of your lot. So can you send the box? to the vehicle manufacturer and say, just connect this box to your vehicle
0: and I start throwing my guys at this and do that the pen testing. Okay? So that I means look, if you're if you're building a brand new car, I'm guessing you're investing a lot of money on it. You can just ship people in, fly people in to do it in person, right? Can't you?
1: Yeah, I mean, at some point you need to think about people too. If I have a company of a bunch of hackers, do they want to be away from their family or wherever they are? You know, nine months out of the year because right. You're testing in in Korea tomorrow. You're testing in Japan. The next day is in in Munich. You know, so there is a cost associated to these things. And I mean, we are coming. We're just coming from pandemic where everybody was on Zoom. So why not this? And like I said, I think you want to do as much automation, as much virtualization as possible. So I was talking about. You know, you know how you can share all these artifacts, and maybe you did a threat analysis. So this is not an argument for remote being remote, but it's an argument for being data driven, right? For instance, you did a threat analysis, and if you have a standard that you can basically codify your threat analysis, you show your sort of a threat that you came up with the battery management system, for instance in terms of an xml file right or a json file and this is sitting inside the database and you can just go look at that database and say you know what i have this threat now and i want to test this right i will see how this does and the other aspect of auto security is they have something they call claims so for every sort of product or component you have a list of claims you're saying here how i think this product is resistant to this type of vulnerability. Then you have to have an artifact that supports your claim, whether it's an assessment or pen test and all of that. So, all of these artifacts, the more they're done represented programmatically, the more efficient would all of this be. So, you know, there are companies who are working on building this type of information security assessment exchange protocols. There is a standard called TISACS. I don't know if you have heard about this. It's called uh, Trusted Information Security Assessment Exchange. It's a lot of big words, but if you break it down, it's Information Security Assessment Exchange. So I did an assessment. You need that assessment. I can send the result of assessment programmatically as opposed to you know, we are all used to reading these very long audit documents, but no, you know, you you have a tool, you have these folders, you open the folder, there is a component, you just want to see what threats are related to that component. You probably click on it, it even shows you what attack paths, like, you know, and these are like really useful tools for architects, like I told you, like, architecture is a, is a big problem, like, okay, I'm worried about a piece of software that is running on my autonomous compute server. And I want to see if there are ways that somebody can use an open source vulnerability to send bad messages or connect this car to a botnet, you know? I can look at the attack paths and I can see, okay, here are all the different ways that I can do it and I can do my pen thing there.
0: That's awesome. Now... These are so many new things that I just learned today, and you know, I've never been exposed to automotive security. I'm sure a lot of our listeners, this is an exposure to the inner workings of how automotive security works. There's a lot more to go into it, but like as you look at how this entire space is evolving, it has changed a lot in the past just five years. But if you look into the future of how this space will evolve, automotive security, Are there things that you can you can foresee already? Like these are you know next generation of security for automotive. What does that look like?
1: I think this type of I'm hoping that this type of information exchange takes off and there would be more people, just like you know, the threat intelligence feeds, now they have ways to communicate their data. So I think that is something that I'm hoping goes forward. I think VSOC is definitely an area that we'll see a, a bunch of new players in there you know whether consolidation happens and that sort of thing but i i do see that whether you know your normal seam or normal suck vendors are going to include this into their current offerings or new companies come that we, we may see but definitely the vehicle suck i think is something that comes along i mean like every area of security we are all worried about the gen AI because you know the way people are doing prompt engineering and the lack of security on interaction with gen AI so anywhere where you have databases when you have a lot of data you know then this is a big attack surface so we know that even Mercedes they made an announcement to made chat GPT available on their new cars so, I think the more you have these type of user in, I mean, and cars are becoming more connected and more user interactions, which basically means more personal data and more, you know, security vulnerabilities for people. So these are areas that I think people will end up paying attention to uh, more and more. And uh, I think in general, autonomous is going to not that autonomous is sort of more of a, the hype and more into the past, the trot of into disillusionment and into the actual development, you see robotaxis in San Francisco and other places. I think I see autonomous moving more towards realization that would mean more security and more maturity for security. So. We see already as part of the standard, like I mentioned, there's a lot of need for documentation, and some companies are just building this their product security organization, their security organization. So, do I see? I will see a lot of maturity happening in that area. Good area to get into.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. All these things, especially I did not know Mercedes integrated ChatGPT into their vehicles, but I can. I can imagine if there's enough GPUs available, you can have LLMs running in your own vehicles that learns your own driving behaviors and you know drives like how you drive. That would be an incredible world to live in. Majid, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Super fun conversation. Thanks for your time.
1: Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to The Future of Application Security. If you've enjoyed this episode or you are new to the show, I'd love to have you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss any episode. And if you like the podcast, I'd be grateful if you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening.